gentlemen, boys and girls, diet time is here. That's right, we are finishing up Happy Birthday to Me, 1981, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from just outside the Crawford Academy, out by the old graveyard. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We will be uh, hacking into Happy Birthday to Me, 1981, in the hopes that a member of the top 10's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, the one person that I trust to serve me shish kebabs at midnight, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? Well, uh, I'm fine. I'm a little overwhelmed because I'm trying to talk to you and I'm also trying to work on my whiteboard where I'm trying to figure out how this plot plays out and looping things around to earlier scenes and just everything just question marks over everything. There's like multiple question marks over various plot points. You need some of that red yarn so that you can link plot points and get yourself an evidence dungeon going. This, this movie has turned me into that meme of the, the woman looking puzzled at various equations. <laughs> it's that meme, the movie, pretty much. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. Well, here to help us figure it all out, why it's an old friend of the Kill by Kill podcast. Believe it or not, kids, before this was even a thing, Josh Hollis was involved in this. He designed the logo for us. And he's also the host of his own podcast, The Predicto Cast. The one and only Josh Hollis. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. I love well, this movie. <laughs> Uh, once upon a time, I dragged Josh to a screening of this at the New Beverly, uh, which we heard various whispers of, what? What's that? What? 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 That was pretty much the last 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, Josh, uh, what was the first opportunity you had to actually enjoy Happy Birthday to Me? Or, or when did you even come into contact with it the first time? Um, I think the... I'm trying to think of the first time I actually saw it. I don't think it was that long ago, maybe three or four years, not that long. But I, I think, uh, like you both mentioned on part one of this um, this series. Uh, oh, by the way, happy birthday to both of you. Um, Thank you. Uh, but I, I think the, the really iconic uh, cover art uh, stuck with me long before I, I had seen the movie. It was It's one of those really sort of uh, visceral images uh, that is hard to shake, even if you don't know what it is, because it's sort of the perfect, I think, perfect kind of horror cover in that it conjures something in your mind that the movie is, cannot live up to. Um, <laughs> I, I love this movie. I, I mean, I rewatched it uh, just recently for this episode, and I still love it. I mean, there's some really nutty stuff that happens and some things that don't make a lot of sense, but I still really like it. And I mean, it is, I mean, you guys talked about it in part one, but it is basically red herring the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I remember seeing this in various like horror magazines and cause I wasn't a huge horror fan as a kid, um, but it was one that I just had kind of orbited and then finally saw, like I said, three or four years ago. 
and then was lucky enough to to go with you, Patrick, to see it at the New Beverly, and and it was great seeing it with people who had never seen it before, as it is with a lot of these sort of underknown horror movies when you can see them with an audience and like it's really fun to hear reactions uh and why don't we discuss this ever so quickly before we move forward because we have a conundrum in front of us now for the first part of this happy birthday to me retrospective we did not spoil the ending uh we left it with Ginny uh stabbing her friend alfred the uh geeky taxidermist in the stomach with a, her own pair of coffin uh, scissors. The reveal is there that Jenny is the murderer. That may or may not necessarily be true. So my question to the both of you is, do we discuss... It's very hard to discuss the rest of this without getting the ending of it, or at least the reveal of it, out of the way, because some of this stuff has to be talked about. It's. I, I feel like either way, it doesn't. it's still not going to make a whole lot of sense in the end. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I, mean, I, 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 I think go for it. I mean, I think it's, at this point, this movie is from 1981, right? So you've had time to see it. Um, I, I think we should talk about it. Like, go ahead and get it out of the way of what sort of the the big reveal is, and then that way we can sort of backtrack, and we don't have to, you don't have to tiptoe around anything. Yeah, this isn't okay. gonna be. This isn't gonna be like the Sixth Sense where you know you go in knowing the the the, the twist and you're like, oh, okay, I can see it now. Yeah, this is definitely uh, dropping hints as to you know how this is as no, this does not in any way. You, you could go back and immediately watch it from the beginning, and how this this twist plays out still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this is true. Okay, so why don't we do that going forward? Let's talk about who is still left alive. Just a quick body count for everyone. Let's start out with uh, Dr. David Disco Medallion. Um, <laughs> and that, every guy, time... <laughs> that guy, I'll just say this really quick. I think that guy, he buys all of his shirts and then he just chops off the top three buttons. <laughs> Or the, the medallion is too powerful and it blows them away. And people <laughs> have been injured by exploding buttons from the power of his disco medallion. Every time he talks, it sounds like he's narrating a nature documentary that we don't see. Yeah, but then we, th- we find out that he went to the same medical school as Dr. Cruz in Friday the 13th Part 6, <laughs> which is only having one patient uh-huh. and... And treating them by dragging them around and shouting at them and demanding <laughs> that they remember the traumatic incident that, that has caused their their emotional breakdown. Oh, that's that's pretty much covered in the AMA. I mean, that's standard <laughs> operating procedure is to yell at someone until they recover memories. Yeah. And, oh. and, and to spend the weekend in, in, in the house with your half-dressed teenage patient. In the dark. How much is he, is he getting paid by the hour? I don't care how many oil rig fires you put out. That that seems very expensive to put your kid under a giant metal magnet donut and open up her brain and then have a full-time doctor just shadow her around and get uncomfortably close to her. Not that <laughs> dad seems to mind that because that's all that dad, Mr. Wainwright, does himself is get super uncomfortably close to his daughter and apologize He'll never get to show her his impressive moves. Burf. (laughs) (laughs) Every part of that is gross. And then on top of it, you're seeing on a TV screen this oil fire. And all you can think of is, is this some sort of like visual approximation of coming? 
that I haven't heard of before. <laughs> oh, I have an uncontrollable oil fire I have to dampen. <laughs> I can't be near you right now. Then we get into the top ten, and there aren't very many of them left. We uh, we have Steve, uh, our compulsive gambler, who's the kind of guy who isn't afraid to pair a brown shirt with a brown leather vest, and he should be. Uh, we have Rudy. Uh, all I have written down next to him is cocaine is a hell of a drug. Who he saw? He remarkably makes it to the end of the movie. He just he and Maggie make up at this dance because this is something the audience was was very invested in as to whether or not they would get back together yes and then the two of them just kind of you know you ride off in the sunset and live <laughs> uh speaking of sunsets I, I don't know about you guys but when it comes to maggie i hadn't seen her in a lot of other things and i remembered that i you, everyone would probably be more familiar with her as her role as a full-time borg queen uh, yeah. she kind of looks like a borg queen <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's the hair and the abnormal tan. I, I don't know what it is, but it's a little sci-fi. It's perfect for Canada. They make a lot of cheap sci-fi up there. Uh, finally, uh, we also have Amelia, uh, and uh, she is an individual who has so many bobby pins in her hair that she sets off a metal detector just by driving by an airport. <laughs> and uh, we have Anne. Uh, now I googled and just to see what she had been doing lately she's a soap opera actress uh and when i did i found out that uh she has a lot of great daytime emmy red carpet appearances please google her red carpet dresses uh this woman has got it she's still got it <laughs> she's got it and so that pretty much gets down to to jenny um who like it or not has made a lot of progress in her therapy and it turns out is not the murderer. No, our murderer is secretly dun 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 Anne, who who is wearing a Mission Impossible level disguise. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, for the she's kids, she's able to make out with people in, and for, no for one the, can tell. For the kids, she's wearing a, a faceless man mask from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> because the because the technology needed for this thing is very impressive and i am i am unsure how it functions yeah how she's able to get in and out of it this really puts mrs doubtfire to shame because she's able to whip this on and whip it off with little to no trouble i mean yes we're talking movie magic and whatnot but she has spent an entire evening disco dancing at the beginning of this section of movie. And normally, all it would take were two dances for me to be drenched in sweat. So that's not the best for makeup appliance. And yet she's able to whisk herself away and drug her friend, well, friend and, and dick fingers, and take <laughs> her place and put on this rubber mask by herself. Well, Make out with a dude. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. Now, now she, when she, you know, has her big reveal at the end, you know, this is how I did it. She mm -hmm. mentions Alfred and his his mask making abilities. Mm -hmm. um, are we supposed to assume that that Alfred was helping her with this initially? And if so, why? I, I think, think Alfred was thirsty for any sort of attention and was willing to do yeah. almost anything. If if she said, I want. To make a mask of Ginny, this girl that you're secretly in love with. 
and then promised him what? I'm totally going to do you with this mask on? No. Or maybe or maybe, maybe it would be like a uh, maybe it's one of those things where she tells Alfred um, oh, I need to make this mask of Jenny. It's for her birthday party. It'll be a, a big, fun surprise, and she'll love it. And I'll tell her that you did it, and so she'll be uh, she'll be thankful to you. And like he just believed that. Um, but what I was going to say is, in the in the first half, you guys talk about that crazy scene where they sneak into Alfred's uh, uh, room and they find the the head there that he's made, um, and the the movie does an interesting thing where it shows us the the idea of the head from the perception of the characters so they think that it's real and then once the lights are on we see it again and we can tell that it's a model we can tell that it's fake but they don't use that same technique when it comes to the mask like we are supposed to just assume this mask looks super lifelike and realistic and no one questions it it's not like, oh, we were scared or we were drugged and so we saw it as we thought it was. No, she is just talking to, you know, sober people and they still believe that it's <laughs> it's really Virginia. I will grant you, she does say that Steve was so stoned that he didn't know the difference. Very true. But at the same time, we're presented with visual evidence that you can't tell the difference. Yeah. So while Steve might be able to see dancing pink elephants... And wonder if the entire world is really in one fingerprint of God. We are stone ass sober watching her somehow pull this Mrs. Doubtfire slash Mission Impossible sitch on him. And he's none the wiser. And then she totally makes out with him at one point. And I think that would be the real telltale sign. Because you might be able to fool somebody, you know, kneeling in a graveyard in the dead of fucking night, you know, as you do. But to, you know, totally mack on somebody open-mouthed by a fire. And they're like, you taste like rubber. (laughs) (laughs) Is that spirit gum? (laughs) Yeah, like if if he had said like, oh, did did you cut your lip or your lip feels weird? It feels very chapped or something. Like, you know, just some sort of weird throwaway line of... Your face doesn't feel like a real face. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not I'm not saying I'm not into it. I'm just saying it's weird. <laughs> this is a fetish I didn't know I had until right now. <laughs> I mean, thank you for breaking this wide open. Another fetish we didn't know Steve had uh, is that he likes to eat spicy meat and then uh, make out with people, which <laughs> I don't think is much of a turn on. Okay, I- this this whole thing is a is a question because obviously this is where the iconic cover image comes from. Even though mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's not Matt Craven on the cover. No, oh, no, 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 it's a different Absolutely actor. Not. Yeah, um, but like, what time is it? Is it like it? It seems like it's late at night. Maybe you know at least nine thirty, ten o'clock. I don't know. Maybe later. She went home and made like freaking shish kebabs. Like, those take time. Those take work. Yes. <laughs> she yeah, went she home and she, cooked she, this meal. Yeah, she said she was going to... One of my favorite line readings in, in this whole movie is when she invites Steve back to her house. And she's like, I make real good snacks. Which is a wonderful double entendre when, when you when you, <laughs> when you you think about it. You try it sometime. You know, just tell somebody, I make real good snacks. And they'll, they'll, just, they'll be taking their clothes off before they're even in your, through your door. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of shish kebab really be classified as a snack no I think, that's I think, a meal gina yeah. 
I, I, she brought out like this platter. It looked like something at the melting pot. Exactly. I, for years, had thought this was actually fondue. It isn't. She's like dipping it in an oil concoction, maybe a chimchurri <laughs> sauce or something like that. Uh, I don't want to get into the gastronomics of it all, <laughs> but there is no fucking way anyone would put to. You are talking about three different things. You're talking about marinating meat and vegetables, cooking them over an open flame, making the sauces, plating the the, the salt mix. Like that's a lot of shit to put together. <laughs> I'm kind of. I like that. This is the most implausible part of the movie. <laughs> oh, this is the most implausible. Hey, hey, everything she's, else she's, is reality based. She's got a. She's got a magic mask on that fools everyone. But she took the time to make shish kebabs. Unbelievable. No, I can't. I refuse. This is where I bow out, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a very big ruse in order for me to tell you. There's no way you can fool people into thinking that a shish kebab is a midnight snack. No way, motherfuckers. That's a meal. You're bringing out Brazilian meats? Fuck you. Yeah, I think I think we've come across the new is, is a hot dog a sandwich controversy. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is a shish kebab a snack? No, it is not. So should um, we talk about that, uh, the... Uh, the dance scene I, I just wanted to briefly touch on that like at the at the dance before the shish kebab scene mm-hmm. it it seems like switching sexual partners is as easy as switching dance partners in this world oh yeah they just well, swap uh, off and then they're okay we're good we're good well i'm just i'm just impressed that they uh, you know they have the tenacity to still have a school dance even though four students are missing and possibly presumed murder <laughs> you guys did say that in the in part one where they sort of seem to forget things from scene to scene they, they and, do not care they, and they no one seems absolute, very concerned that people have died they are absolutely just blase about it he was like where's alfred i don't know oh i guess that's another one i mean you know yeah haha, rudy all your friends are dead you know what i mean it's just i i feel like these characters are so bizarrely just nonchalant about everything whether it's it's you know who their 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 exes are sleeping with who they're sleeping with and whether or not their friends are dead no their sexual dynamics and interpersonal relationships are a fucking minefield People just bounce from one to the other. And as, as soon as you're near another vagina or uh, vagina, vagina. Another, vagi- another vagina or penis, like it's like, oh, something else happened in the world. I forgot. Oh, wait a second. There's the penis I used to like. I'm not so sure I'm into you anymore. Like moments before this in the previous episode, Rudy was making out with Jenny underneath the pool. Like, let's get stoned, let's make out for a little while. And it's no big fucking deal when he goes, you know what? I'm going to go back over to my old sexual partner. And she's like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. And then invite Steve over like, all I need is a penis. <laughs> Whatever penis is currently available, I'll take. Yeah, no and wonder, no wonder Alfred, no wonder Alfred looks so glum all the time. I know, because no, he's the lotus him. man on that penis totem pole, and it's <laughs> never going to get down to him. And above him is a French uh, vampire perv <laughs> and a meathead who can't tell anyone using personal pronouns. So I would be upset, too. Your, uh, your Freudian slip of uh, vagina Virginia reminded yes. me of another aspect of this movie, which is... 
that everyone says Virginia's name multiple times in any conversation that they have with her. I think her name is said probably 400 times in this movie. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that was just a part of the on the, the writers trying to say, this is our main character. We need you to remember what her name is. Or if it was just that they were afraid that no one would know any of these characters' names and they were we needed them to know this one. I think because their goal is for you to understand that everyone in this group, while they are obsessed with one another, they're mostly obsessed with Ginny because she is the newest addition to the group. She has just re-entered, and so she is the strange fruit that everyone is wondering everything about. <laughs> I, 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 that's the way they're trying to get it across. I can't tell you it's effective, but they, they are trying to focus everyone's attention on the fact that while there are many people in this movie, she's the one you're supposed to pay attention to. Which I get, because half the people in this movie look the exact same. Uh, <laughs> they they don't really dress all that different. Uh, almost all the girls are blonde or blondish. And uh, the other element that we need to talk about in this dance is that if everyone was hoping that Canada had upped its game in terms of disco dancing from prom night until now... I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, and then Steve gets skewered through the face. And R.I.P.D. Steve, uh, you gambled one time too many, my friend. And you had to pay the price. <laughs> he was a cool dude. He was super cool. And Matt Craven remains cool. And I like Matt Craven in this era. He's a little too long in the tooth to be a teenager, though. They really, the they really are. <laughs> and this this is a they all are and this seems to be emphasized the further we go into the movie do we are we going to talk about the birthday party flashback oh yeah, let's let's move on there because our very next scene is is Anne uh, pulling up in her awesome VW Golf and um and getting let into uh, the house uh, by Jenny throwing her the keys. What we learn here is that Jenny is really hung over, is I guess what we're led to think. She's passed out. She can't remember last night. And then she says, I'm going to take a shower. So she takes a shower, and it is during the shower that we get her water flashback of her mom drinking while driving, and almost hitting a truck and then skidding to a halt in the middle of the apex of the drawbridge that they played the game on. And as the drawbridge opens, the car falls into the water. We know this because it was filmed <laughs> from four different cameras. <laughs> okay. And we're shown every angle. We are, but the, the fun thing is the first three times we see it fall in the water... It falls on the top of the car. The car flips mm -hmm. over and lands on the roof. The fourth time, it lands on the bottom and then slowly sinks into the into the water. They obviously did it twice. And that whatever one that it landed on the roof looks cooler. It looks like more damage. It, it, it's like, oh my god, that they're really in trouble. So why show the fourth one that's <laughs> different? Know. 
<laughs> like this movie is long enough. You could cut it back by two seconds. I, I feel um, like they. I feel like they. They probably added in the the interior shot later to be to to add more drama, and then they decided, uh, well, well, if the car, how are we going to have them facing up in the car if it landed on its on its roof? It's like, well, you know, uh, the audience, the audience uh, is already going to be befuddled enough. Does this really? Yeah. Uh, does this really matter? This isn't. This wasn't the thing that was going to hang them up about this movie. <laughs> And the Columbia audience, like, if it lands upside down, then no one's gonna get it. Like, (laughs) it's our it's our job, it's our vocation to to notice these things. The average movie audience moviegoers probably did not notice this. No, absolutely not. So uh, now we get this fantastic underwater scene where they're fighting time and water and gravity and drunkenness, and of course, mom's seatbelt seatbelt is stuck. And as a result, she pine, she commands Ginny to swim for the surface, which she does. And her head hits the top of a boat. <laughs> no one on the boat caught the whole car falling into the water. They're like, ah, go through. It'll sink to the bottom. We'll never hit it. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Nobody, nobody on the boat noticed. Nobody operating the bridge noticed. Oh, which... this bridge operation is a fucking sham. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen this time and time again throughout this movie. Whoever is operating this fucking bridge does not care if vehicles are on the moving bridge. <laughs> nope, not you, at all. You, you have to wonder how many boats have capsized by just ramming into the bridge because the operator just was <laughs> reading his paper or watching gorgeous ladies of wrestling on his little television or something like that. Just completely just, just unaware and, and indifferent to the importance of his job. Listen, I get paid... To raise the bridge and to lower the bridge. I do not get paid to wonder, are there cars on the bridge that's opening and closing? <laughs> that's an extra 50 an hour. I don't know what character that is, but I've made a commitment to <laughs> finishing man. that character. Yeah, bridge this, man. This, this thermos of vegetable soup ain't going to drink itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, listen, I brought porn from home. This is my work porn. And uh, this ain't going to jerk off to itself. It's, now I'm stealing your joke. God damn it. Anyways, Ginny comes up, hits the top of the boat, and there's blood everywhere, and no one cares. But somehow she got rescued at some point. Uh, we then cut to... Well, it should be... Nice- no, well, I, don't, I think we need to talk about why they're out there driving around... Uh, Oh, we'll get there. Oh, is that we're, later? We're not, I forgot that later. it doesn't this go is... chronolo- it doesn't go chronologically. I forgot about no. that. We we have flashbacks within flashbacks. I have pieced we... this movie together in the correct order in my brain. <laughs> you know, it makes sense. It totally does. Uh the movie does not make sense. And to wit, uh we now get we now cut back to the bathroom where water is everywhere and Jenny is waking up out of this fugue state. She senses something's wrong because her bathrobe is wet. Everything in the bathroom is wet. It's a real Australian bar after closing. She pulls back the curtain and finds Anne sunken in the tub, apparently dead. And we get the best thing. We get this pure, unfiltered Batman 1966 horn stab. As the camera tilts to the side, and suddenly we're in the penguin's lair. I love it. 
I mean, at first she opens it and the water's clear so you can very clearly see that it's Anne. And then when you cut back to it, it's full of blood, but then the blood never appears again. So I, I don't know. Maybe she just cray cray. Well, yeah, that means that Anne is also not only is she making these masks or having these masks made for her and being able to run around and put them on and do all of this crazy stuff, but she can also hold her breath for a really long time and not blink underwater. That's a that's a feat in and of itself. It's called magic, and <laughs> if you can levitate on the street, it's worth millions of dollars in ABC money. If you can get them to pay for those specials, it's it's extreme magic. Well, is she? I mean, is that really Anne, or is she just hallucinating? Because she's definitely traumatized. And and at one point, there's like a quick shot. I mean, is that still supposed to be Anne when it looks like the tub's full of blood? Because I thought it was supposed to be the one at the beginning, Bernadette. Oh, yeah. I it, well, I'm maybe freezing it right now, know. and it does still kind of look like Anne, but a definite dummy of Anne, like. <laughs> and and was like i'll hold my breath for that one thing but i'm not getting a tub full of blood fuck y'all and, 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 <laughs> i'll and be in my when, trailer and when would she have done that though because Ginny throws her down the keys and says well i'm gonna go take a shower well so, she has that whole shower fugue state so i don't know that she planned i don't know that she did, necessarily planned to do it this way did, or did she, that while she was in the shower having this flashback and zapped her with the rag of miracles that puts her to sleepy time bye-bye i don't know it's so confusing it's anyone's guess if anyone knows let me know and i'll believe you because anything is believable at that's, this point yeah i was gonna say any explanation you, you could give of this i'd be like yeah th- th- i buy that that sounds good yeah now jenny commences to cry to the heavens and dr david disco medallion please god help me and then david does show up but it's nighttime so are we to intune that at some point she stopped crying to the heavens and picked up the fucking phone like a normal person? Or it just took this long for her cries to reach him in echolocation? <laughs> well, you know, his, his medallion lit up and, and he had to <laughs> figure out the, the, the coordinates of where these cries for help were coming from. I sense a teenage girl in trouble. I'm going to go over there and get real close to her. Let I'm just, just going to stay in her house for a while. Let me just undo a couple of these buttons. Yeah, listen, we're not going to turn on the lights, okay? I'm just going to sit here real close to you in a chair, watch you sleep. Oh, you don't have to put a bunch of covers on. That's fine. This is therapy. I swear it works. <laughs> well, it's it's working like gangbusters. She's, re- she's remembering all the things that she needs to remember. What I don't understand is where did all the water go? Because that gives the impression that it actually is a hallucination that she's having. Well, but I that mean, would be a little convenient for I, Anne. Yeah, no, I think that Anne, obviously, she's already proven herself to be really good at, at uh, murder cleanup. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, because she did clean up the blood really quickly after she uh, crushed uh, blonde guy's nuts with the <laughs> with the uh, the weight, and then his throat uh, smashed open and, and got blood everywhere. So she was able to clean that up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like this is probably another one of those examples that she was able to get this cleaned up quickly, or it could be hal- a hallucination. Who knows? Yeah, but I will say this for. She 
can get a lot done. Like when she decided to get into the murder game, I bet the one thing she didn't count on was the amount of time she would spend cleaning. And yet she is remarkably good at it for a woman who probably hasn't had to lift a finger because of how rich her family is. So yeah, but she was like, also she's able, industrious. She was also able to, to pick up and move against a wall, like a 500 pound barbell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Cause she's, she's awesome. That's why. Cause she has her mind on a goal and she goes for it. She's a self starter. <laughs> she is going to make the Crawford Academy great again. And it starts with killing off some of these motherfuckers and they got it. They got to go. Like a good half of them. It's a good, like the world's a better place. Well, well that is true. That, that That is true. I mean, her motives are a little muddled, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's overall, those are completely justified deaths. Yes. Uh, so Jenny uh, faints again because now that's her middle name. Uh, you just look at her the wrong direction. She crumples to the ground. Uh, we then cut to later on that night, and Doctor Disco has brought her a scotch by the fire. <laughs> Is that something that the ADA signs off on when you bring a teenager some booze because she's passing out all the time I think, and having I think bad you- memories? I think if you go to a therapist and he has oh. on a sweet medallion and his top three buttons are undone, at some point he's going to offer you a scotch by a fire. And then he's going to offer you a scotch. He's going to offer you a nice neck massage. Uh, <laughs> a very lingering, creepy massage that is not, uh, he's not told, stop that. She reaches over and, well, reaches over with her face. She reaches over with her lips. And kisses his hand, and it's just so uncomfortable. And then he says, happy birthday, and you get this close-up of the fire, like, does that mean they're going to do it? <laughs> yeah, 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 you kind of expect him to like suddenly cut to like them rolling in front of the fireplace. Again, we are getting, <laughs> getting jokes <laughs> from Top Secret that we did not know were actually born of this movie. Yeah, that's what you kind of expect to see. Anyways, we then cut uh, to the police looking for Anne's body because her car has been left abandoned just outside of jenny's house uh the police want to talk to her and dr david's like no i've been here the whole weekend now he's lying for her which again signals they did it you don't (laughs) lie for a potential murderer just because they're a nice patient yeah you know i never i i did think i was like wait he hasn't been there that long and and well yeah i mean everybody in this in this movie is vaguely creepy and and, yes. and you know and, and his his motivations like uh, anybody everybody else's are muddled let's say <laughs> so I, I i don't know what he stands to gain from trying to force her to relive the the her mother's death in an accident except that he's you know you expending some level of control over her which again everybody in her life is weird and creepy and means to do her some level of harm for no discernible reason whatsoever i don't understand what his motivations are necessarily and we certainly don't get any clarification because uh once the police are away and he kind of puts two and two together oh wait a second jenny did say that she 
thought she murdered Anne? Maybe I should ask her about that in more detail if the police are asking about it. He, he thinks this after he's lied to a detective. It's not a smart move. But then again, he's in the afterglow of whatever the fuck happened in front of that fire. And so he uh, ambles up to her room. She's sleeping. <laughs> of course she is. Because that's what she does now. And uh, he kind of uh, says, oh, yeah, you know, your friend, the police are totes looking for her. Oh, I, I think my favorite part of this is she's like, she's like, I told you I killed her. All my friends are dead. And he's like, he's like no, no, calm down. They're just missing. <laughs> oh, I feel much better now. Thank oh, you. They're oh. missing presumed dead. <laughs> <laughs> People go missing all the time. That's. Most people spend a good quarter of their life missing for somebody. So there you go. No worries. Everything's fine. And this is where we finally get our big reveal. Now we're going to figure out why this accident took place in the first place. It turns out that a birthday party is involved. Get out of town. Yep. <laughs> I know this might seem strange, but the origin of this mania, this this kill crazy wave that's going through town has to do with a birthday party. Now, at some point they have moved into this town. Mom apparently has lived there before. Jenny has invited her new friends at the Crawford Academy to come to her birthday party, but they do not show up. Uh, this is where we first find the cottage, which is a part of their house, but not part of their house. That becomes important later. Anyways, uh, we get a birthday call from dad. He's not coming to this birthday party. Why would he? It's the one thing that's consistent about his character, other than the fact that when he says goodnight, it sounds like I'm going to murder you. I just need to interject here. When was this supposed to take place? It was, it was supposed to be like two or three years earlier, right? Yes, this is before the brain injury, so... So she's supposed uh, to be, like, 14, 15? That's what they're implying, because her her dress is a lot more simplified, and they, they, they're attempting to make her younger by pulling her hair back. So the party looks like it's set up for a 10-year-old with the, with the, the little hats <laughs> and all. And yes. also, everybody refers to her as a little girl. When, Everyone when, ref- when the mother goes to the... Who we find out was her her lover at one point which is also mm-hmm. part of the big twist the is he the groundskeeper tells her you better get out of here take your little girl with you she's like she's like 15 <laughs> you know? I know. And, and she's got the little party dress on and it, it's just it's it, i mean is this supposed to amp up the weirdness or or is it just well we don't really know how birthday parties work for teenagers I, I wonder if the weirdness is so far amped up, they just don't know what down is. <laughs> They're think, just high on their own supply. I, I'm and, I'm partial. I, I think I'm partial to the idea that it's like this weirdness of of her mother. Like her mother seems to sort of infantilize her a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe like wants to de-age her almost. And so maybe that's where some of that weirdness is coming from. Like insisting that it's set up like a kid's party and that she wears this, you know, kid's dress and like looks very young. Maybe that's just some weird quirk because her mom is obviously not all together. Um, and... Oh yeah. She, she, she's like a, she comes in like a soap opera character. 
she's just you know throwing those drink back drinks back and talking about the snobs in the in the town and she'll show them and i love when the when the father calls he's like it's your bastard of a father (laughs) it's so so dramatic it just this film goes to 11 in these parts where it, it it reaches a level you weren't aware it was even trying to attain she is so unhinged. She's so crazy. She, Her eyes bug out. She's screaming at the top of her lungs in the middle of a rainstorm about shit you know nothing about. She's like, I'm rich now. Okay. Like, this is a scheduling error. I don't know that it's personal. Like Her daughter says straight up, "I'm. these are my new friends. Like, they don't really know me. I just met them. And she's like, nope. Well, I slept with one of their dads, so this is personal, y'all. And then she full-on goes fucking Rambo 2, and she has to get over there and fuck shit up. And this leads to the the accident where uh, the, the car goes into the water three times, and then a fourth time the wrong way. And Jenny gets a crazy brain injury. There you go. It's explained. Yeah. Everything else in this movie is pretty standard from this moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what that's where the end. <laughs> so uh, when Ginny wakes up, uh, she freaks out. And this is the one freak out that Dr. David can't handle. He, he isn't able to get a good grasp on her. Uh, we then cut to a killer POV shot of someone grabbing uh, a, a, a lethal looking hot uh, poker. Uh, fireplace poker and creeping towards them over very odd looking carpet and whoever is wielding this which we learn later is Anne. she brains this dude so much it's like his (laughs) head is filled with blood balloons i I was i actually wrote down i actually wrote down the word blood explosion (laughs) i i've never had a a head injury i've never seen anyone you know, hit their heads harder than maybe on the side of a cabinet. I don't know if they explode blood like that. <laughs> I mean, it's like the thing is explosive tipped at the end of it when she punches into his skull. It's it's crazy the amount of force. It's like she's Thor all of a sudden, <laughs> or she's a scanner or something. I don't know. But, but there's blood on the walls. There's there's blood all down her legs, which I don't even. I'm not sure what sort of physics that would entail, but and we've this is the that's the one mess that she can't clean up. It's just too crazy, and frankly, she doesn't have to. All she has to do is get a drugged Jenny from the main house out to this cottage, bring all the other dead bodies to the <laughs> cottage, prop them up. Including, including dig up mom. I was gonna say including the mom, which like that coffin exploded like it like it's out of a fucking thriller video. Like <laughs> when did she, when does she have access to a backhoe? Did she do that with her hands or a shovel? Like at least the people on Friday the Thirteenth when they try to dig up Jason's body, like it it's a process. Yeah, she she seems to exhibit some superhuman strength that that the. The movie feels is not necessary to explain how she acquired this. Yeah, she's got murder strength. I mean, it's it's not worth explaining. Like she just <laughs> she can do these things because she is a murderer. All murderers can dig up coffins and carry bodies twice the size of their own with no no concern whatsoever. 
she she is she is controlled by vengeance toward towards a person for something that happened before this person was born yeah (laughs) it just it's a it's a thorn in her side man um and every rose has its thorn and i can't remember the rest of that song (laughs) sorry don't care to something to do with Ginny's dad showing up and and he gets a cake knife to the throat this is true uh yeah dad arrives back just in time for more uh, excessively close kissing uh and uh, stumbles into Ginny's room to find it covered in david's blood and brains he does he does some great emoting during this scene i mean is part of the fact that he's so creepy is that he's the crazy doctor guy from reanimator is he that he's the he's the same guy who's the the crazy doctor who gets his head lopped off from reanimator and and goes down on a woman <laughs> spoiler no alert for reanimator oh everybody knows that scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the same guy it's the exact same guy um i didn't, so even, I, I, didn't I totally didn't recognize him yeah i it just occurred to me during my re- rewatch today but he does what everyone does when you discover that your daughter's bedroom is covered in blood. He runs to the cemetery. Uh, <laughs> that's where he discovers that uh, the Hulk has uh, unburied his wife and Dr. David's uh, body is out there. So she picked up his body. This uh, 55-year-old man, let's say, and hold him all the way out there, probably in one giant leap. That's the only way I can imagine it happening. Uh, and then he also manages to run into Amelia, who has been invited to the birthday party. But I didn't, didn't understand what it. was happening. That... Is, that, is that who that was? Yes. I thought it was Anne for a second. To, to now, like... it, is, it is Amelia. And in is one cut just, of the film. She's just she standing is, there. Yeah. She's in shock. Um, I assume that at one point she was supposed to have her throat slashed by the killer. Uh, after dad leaves but i think they changed it so that it would explain why the cops show up later on so did she see what was in the building and then, I uh, the cabin and wa- then run away yeah i assume she has seen it or maybe she and- saw them carrying maybe she saw Anne carrying the bodies in or something and freaked out and just stood there it's implied whatever she saw has has uh, she's rigor mortified. She's out of it. She's my, my, gone. <laughs> my favorite moment during this whole like as Dad is going to the cabin is that it seems like he could never get closer than like forty yards from the cabin because <laughs> he is running for a long time, climbing over hills, and then it'll cut to the same shot of the cabin just over a hill through some through some leaves, and then he'll run some more and climb over some more hills, and it's the same shot just about forty yards away. I was like, he's never gonna get there. No, well, his running style leaves something to be desired. He runs like a. A, a costumed character in a Sid and Marty Croft movie. It, it's sort <laughs> Lots of, of flailing arms. Yeah. And... <laughs> like he's a beetle running away from his fans. Uh, it's entirely nutty. But anyway, he makes it in. He's like, fuck, you're alive. I don't, who cares? And he runs in and sees this menagerie of dead bodies that are propped up around. We, we got everybody's back. For this birthday party, they got hats on, frilly little hats on, <laughs> super cute. And then he just, he can't believe what he sees. And he just kind of 
sits down like how the fuck am i gonna get out of this one well why don't you do something it's almost (laughs) as like i've always thought you were gonna turn out to be a murderer but i didn't think it would happen really it's like i guess i expected this (laughs) i mean at one point he says like oh i'm sorry the doctors said it would work they were so convinced it's kind of like so are we is he to believe that it's not his crazy, uncomfortable closeness that has driven her insane, but the fact that they had to stuff her brain back into her head at one point <laughs> in a metal donut. He's convinced that she went crazy wacko from that. Well, you know, you know, head injuries often lead to people going on on mass killing sprees and, and mutilating their friends in a, in a number of, of creatively horrific ways. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I fell out of a treehouse when I was nine on my head onto a rock and that's how i started killing and that's usually (laughs) how it goes well you know they tell you 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 don't you don't let you don't fall asleep you know they start throwing up bring them back to the emergency room expect that they will murder someone at some point (laughs) (laughs) it's in the pamphlet yeah i think within 12 hours of a concussion you you will kill at least one person um, I think that's just something you have to sort of be prepared for. Lay, lay, some, um, lay some tarp out, get some cleaning, stock up on cleaning products because it's going to get messy. <laughs> and at one point, she, while he's weeping into his hands, which is hard to tell because he's very, very wet, uh, Jenny starts cutting the cake and puts one of the party hats on his head. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sad and, and so insanely goofy i mean they had to know at that point that you are beyond the pale like you might as well just lean into it because that shit is bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s <laughs> there is uh, a there is a nice uh when he does come in uh there's a nice basically a, a a psycho reveal where he tips the chair back and his wife's corpse just rolls around and we see her skeleton <laughs> face and it's like oh mm-hmm. okay huh. that's the thing he's least surprised by <laughs> yeah. uh and then Ginny uses that cake knife that she was cutting the cake with like a samurai sword and slices <laughs> his neck open which i is not a methodology i've seen before but uh, what you gonna do and somehow she doesn't get frosting all over him which is which is impressive uh, well, she—it's too fast. That's the thing of the samurai that they were trained to, to whip their swords around so fast that blood would not cling to it. And, or and, cake or, icing. Because they are cake frosting, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same. Pro- blood and sugar uh, work the same on on swords. That, that's science. <laughs> J- try to prove me wrong, internet. Put some blood on a sword. Put some cake on a sword. Let's see what happens. So, uh, and then it is revealed that the body wearing Anne's clothing at the table is in fact not Anne. It is Ginny. And this is where the entire audience at the new bed, well, I wouldn't say the entire audience, but a good half of them started whispering, oh, evil twin, evil twin, evil twin, evil twin, evil twin, <laughs> evil twin. And that's when I started rubbing my hands together. Because I knew these people were really going to lose their shit when it was actually revealed what the fuck was going on. And so uh, evil Jenny drags uh, not-so-evil Jenny over to the head of the table and starts berating the fuck out of this person who's barely conscious. 
about uh, what is happening. And there is one slight tell that you can see what, what the difference is between these two people when they're not doing a split diopter trick. And that is the person who is playing Evil Ginny has slightly larger breasts. <laughs> you know, Patrick, I didn't notice. <laughs> uh, that's strange. It's very obvious if you are looking a lot at breasts. So there's revealed that about myself. <laughs> like I said, I'm really into Anne. Anyways, um, they have a semi uh, cake fight at some point, and Jenny reaches up and ends up demasking Anne in the easiest way possible, as if it's like just pantyhose over her face. <laughs> yeah, she rips it away very easily. I mean, really, she should have ripped it away, like just sort of revealed a bare skull, because that's the only way this this. Oh, that's the only way that would have been so great. Oh my god, I would love it if they did that. That would be the best thing that would ever happen. And then it pulls back, and like it's still Jenny's still in the hospital, and she's still got her brain exposed, and it turns out it was all a dream. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there was a cut of this movie that had it that way. I'm sure they tried it a bunch of different ways. This seems like the craziest possible solution to this conundrum whatsoever. I mean, when you look at the two of them, obviously they're reasonably the same height. They have very different hair. And I'll tell you one thing. They have very different teeth. So that's something that people <laughs> should have caught right away. But this is where Anne tells us how she done did it. We got our Scooby-Doo moment. They've lit like a meddling kid has literally demasked a villain. And they go, I would have gotten away with it, too. Here's how I did it so far. I drugged the fuck out of you whenever I wanted to. <laughs> I, I, I anticipated where you would go at any minute, hour of the day. That, that's, that's, what this would, that's what this came down to. She just, and just inherently knew where Ginny would go. The other thing is, when Anne, when Anne is playing Ginny, the, all the moments that she's talking about take place from the Alfred murder on. So does that mean the previous murders, she didn't bother with the Ginny mask? Well, who can say? Because, of course, it's all set up with, oh, it's you. Right. We knew it was one of the top ten. And then halfway through, we get the, oh, no, it's Ginny, but then it's not. But there's a real Mrs. Doubtfire sitch happening here where she has to be in too many places to apply a massive amount of makeup and there are no cream pies for her to just dip her face into and get away with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out how the, the, the Alfred scene would even would even work because not only would she have to anticipate that Ginny would go there, she'd also have to anticipate that Alfred would go there. Yes. And and I feel like, you know, was there a deleted scene in which he told her he was going to go there? It just, it doesn't really, it, it again, and playing back with the whole, you know, she has some sort of superhuman abilities, just her, she, she has a Jason Voorhees-like ability to anticipate what everybody's next step is going to be. Yes, and she also has the Voorhees gene of interior slash exterior decorator where she's propped up bo bodies in very interesting ways so that <laughs> we can look at them over and over and over again because god damn it they paid for those mannequins and they're gonna make use of them uh so 
and are we are we to assume that when she has drugged Jenny, like again in the in the graveyard before murdering Alfred, she just kind of just leave her behind a tree? I I yeah, I guess she just kind of you know like sits her down for a second, and then fireman carries her back to her house. She had an extra I mean, large duffel bag that she would just put Jenny inside and carry her around. Little do people know, but this is the beginning of CrossFit. This is where people learned <laughs> that gravity and weights will get you super fit super fast. So she's just lugging people left and fucking right. I mean, she is the toughest movie villain of all time. Let's just put it out there. It's, it's a wonder that she died so quickly. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think it's because her downward force is so forceful that we get a, a whoopsie do murder, <laughs> where uh, the the striking blow was so forceful, and someone just kind of does a Steven Seagal where they take your momentum and work it against you. And here it's by accident, but she just ends up stabbing herself in the in the stomach. Uh, R.I.P.D. Anne. You were awesome. This was a perfect plan. Perfect. It mm, chef kissing his fingers. Gif inserted here. Way to go. Uh, and and, and th- again, all of this is because she is mad at Ginny for being the product of an affair between Ginny's mother and her father. Yes, this is literally something that happened when Anne presumably would have been an infant, and before Ginny would would even have been born. Or they were, or Jenny's mom was having an active affair with her dad at the same time that her dad ended up getting her mom pregnant, which is why they're kind of the same age. And Jenny's mom was paid off, which is why she yells, I'm a rich woman. I can't be paid off anymore to go. So Jenny's dad isn't actually her dad. So no wonder he's trying to actively sleep with her. So it's all okay, guys. (laughs) It's fine. It's perfectly normal. Case solved. <laughs> we could call off CSI, guys. NCIS, we got it covered. I don't think that it's very clear exactly why the people who are killed are killed, other than they were the people who were supposed to be at her birthday party in the flashback, right? But Alfred like, wasn't. Alfred wasn't supposed to be at that birthday party. Was he not? Because I thought they mentioned his name. They're supposed to, oh maybe there's six there's six of the people are supposed to be there yeah so but like Alfred I just, doesn't seem to come from the one of the richest families no. in town so I was curious so, why she had to kill those particular people it was it just because of this very elaborate birthday that she had wanted to set up I mean that I mean Alfred she's eliminating a witness true I mean, her her main goal here is that by impersonating Jenny. That any witnesses who have seen this will immediately point the finger at Ginny and she can have plausible diet deniability and just go, oh, like she knocked me out and was going to murder me or I just woke up in the woods or whatever the fuck. She had a plan. If I know anything about Anne and I know a lot of things, she's got great teeth. She's got a rockin' bod. <laughs> and uh, she knows how to disco dance and she is a good planner. Um so she's super I think duper strong. She is wicked ass strong. So I I think her plan is to, in order to close this chapter on her life, she has to frame Jenny for this murder. And 
she she'll just make it look like a suicide because she's made everything else happen. She's she put this all on her dream board and it's all working according to plan right into the point she stabs her own self in the stomach. <laughs> but you know, she gets the last laugh because of course then the 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 police detective shows up at just the right moment as as her body's falling to the floor and and of course just Ginny's just standing there looking vaguely stunned. <laughs> <laughs> so really she 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 had the last word and one. She did. good for you Anne. yeah she made it happen she she saw it, even though it didn't go to plan it was so perfect she didn't even have to be around for it so she got her way anyways i mean this is the gut punch of all of these horror movies and i feel of this year uh of 1981 this is why to me this feels like one of the tops because it's hard to judge it on the same level as as Friday Part 2. Because Friday Part 2 has some craziness to it. And then has that really great, effective third act. But this has the best ending. It is nuts how out of nowhere it is. And then that police detective comes in and Jenny is holding a knife. Bloody knife. Then Anne has just stabbed herself. But she, he did not see that. So I love it. I love it. Same. It's a it's a little I I feel it's a little a little too incomprehensible to to really say that I love it, but it's mm. certainly original. I will I will <laughs> I will give it lots and lots of points for that. It's a goer. It it swings for the fences. I I've not seen any other slasher movie with such a convoluted explanation for for why the killer is doing the things that they're doing. I mean, for sure, the filmmakers of your next saw this and said. What if we made this but with actual motivations? And like, yeah. Why don't we make it with actual motivations? Oh, we'll keep the ending too. Spoiler <laughs> alert for your next. Yeah, but but only your next involved killing someone with a blender, which is which is pretty <laughs> rad. That it sounds is. like one of the the craziest murders I've ever seen. Why was that not in this movie? <laughs> Steve will never make a smoothie again. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true um and so yeah y'all that's, that's happy birthday to me uh we done did it it's a dream come true uh any final thoughts anyone like i said i i enjoyed it it's it's a little some of the characterization in it i thought was uh, a little unnecessarily complicated let's mm-hmm. say like i i'm still thinking that i think that the peak weirdness in the in the movie was what we covered in the last episode, which was the scene with Rudy in the the Belfry, <laughs> which is just such a bizarre scene that no one mentions again. And, and it is, and he is set up that you would think he's going to get the most spectacular death, and he's yeah. fine. He just he you know, <laughs> he disappears. He get, yeah, he he is as far as we know, he's still at that dance. You know that that's because that's the that's the last we see of him. And and I found, I mean, there's definitely a, a surplus of characters in this, but yeah, I just I I I I will give it points for just how creative this movie is, and 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 how complicated the 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 killer's methodology is it's it's mm-hmm. pretty fascinating and yet a little bit i'm like i really don't understand what i'm watching here very true well uh that brings us to our final daniel Ma, 
uh, when we blow out the candles on this bad boy, it's choose your own death venture time. And we got a few to choose from. We have, uh, have your back, have your face stabbed with a meat skewer and that's spicy meat. Keep that in mind. Spicy meat stabbed into your face, out the back of your neck. Uh, we also have Dr. David's brain smash, uh, Anne's drowning doesn't count because she ain't dead. Uh, neither would Amelia's throat slashing because it didn't end up appearing in the actual movie. Uh, we also have Mom's drowning. And then we got Dad's throat slash and Anne's stab to the stomach. So of all of those, if you had to choose one way to die and it had to be one of those, which one would it be and why? I turn to you, our guest, Josh Hollis. Do tell me that answer. Uh, well, I have to go with the most iconic, the shish kebab. Uh, I like shish kebabs. Uh, mm-hmm. I do uh, also like spicy meat before I get down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Common, common and thing. If if that were to be the way that I would die, I would be immortalized forever on a VHS uh, box cover. So, I, yeah, that's the one I got to pick. Well, unfortunately, you wouldn't because the face that's on the VHS cover uh, is a different oh, person. Fuck, yeah, right. It looks it. like looks like David Naughton from the "I'm a Pepper Two commercial. And, and, and you know obscurity. And you know what's funny is that the, they got the name wrong too. It, it says it says John will never eat shish kebab again. Oh, that's true. That's it's absolutely right. I don't know how how would that even happen. I mean, I guess I can understand not using the same actor because there are plenty of poster. There's plenty of poster art that does not. You employ the the actors that are actually in the movie for the for the imagery, but I'm wondering how you get the name wrong. Or did they do that on purpose, as so that once you actually saw the movie, if you saw a person named John, you would automatically know that person's going to die this specific way. Well, they were very clever. More confusion. They're just piling on that confusion. Marketing professional. I would never do that. <laughs> I would say there's a better way to do that with all that fucking copy. All right, Gina, uh, what say you? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much lift Josh's answer and and say the skewer because I I, I too enjoy grilled meats. Um, it's it's an iconic death. Uh, it's he eh, actually probably isn't very quick when you think about it. He, he looked like he was lingering. But oh, you know, that, you're not going out quick at. But, all but that you, is not a lethal injury but you know throat slashing stabbed in the stomach it's so gauche it's done there's, there's <laughs> nobody nobody else has ever been killed with a shish kebab skewer that's true and never again never before never again well there was that one guy in the opening teaser of indiana jones uh and uh the one where he gets hearts ripped out of his chest someone gets a flaming shish kebab to the chest in that one that's true. You're right, but but yeah. but chest is is you know less elegant. Well, that's a PG thirteen, and through the back of your throat is an R. Everyone knows that <laughs> when it comes to shish kebab deaths. It's the in the manual they hand to you when you enter Hollywood. <laughs> uh, so I will choose. I'm going with Doctor David Disco's braining because it's so explosive. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's like there's a secret t- uh, cache of TNT inside his brain, and all you have to do is knock it open a little bit, and it goes kablooey. Uh, I just want to go out in that spectacular way, and I also think his medallion's super groovy. Yeah, it's, it's like she she 
threw a basketball very hard at him and his head just burst. <laughs> Save it. You never know when we have to resort to a deadly friend episode. Uh, we don't want to give that one away. That's that's too good. Uh, so that pretty much does it. Hey, Josh, uh, where can people find you and hear more about y'all? Well, you can find me on PredictoCast. Uh, it's a podcast where we watch the first 10 minutes of a movie that we don't know anything about, and then we try to predict what comes later. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We uh, we have watched some really crazy movies that I'd never heard of before. Uh, so, yeah, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we're on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PredictoCast. Excellent. Check it out, people. Hey, Gina, where can people find you on the Internet? I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. Check it out. People do it today. Hey, you want to talk to us about stuff? You know where you can do that? The regular places. Twitter, uh, at KillByKillPod. Uh, on Instagram, at KillByKillPodcast. Uh, we got the Facebook groups. We got a page. Uh, maybe we'll get that group going one day. Who's to say? Um, I'm on Diddy.it. And I'm really going places. No one cares about it. But I'm having fun with it. I don't know if anyone's noticed every other day when I do the stupidest things with that app. I, I, care, I care, Patrick. I, I know. Care. You're the only one who cares. <laughs> and, and yet I refuse to go on Snapchat. So there's that. Uh, and that will do it. Oh, if you have, uh, if you like the podcast and you want us to succeed in life and, and you, you care about us that much or you just like the show... Could you do me a favor? Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the way that we get uh, featured there and get more attention and uh, we can do more things for more people that way. So if you write uh, what your favorite kill is in Friday the 13th or happy birthday to me, in that review we will read it on the air. That is our solemn promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. And so until next time, the body count continues. My name is uh, Patrick uh, for our friends uh, Gina and Josh. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.